What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. This is In Liberty and Health, episode number 64. I think I got that right. Sometimes a little shaky on the numbers. I, I say that at the beginning of like every single show. I got Audrey with me today from the amazing Don't Tread on Philly. I've really been digging this effort lately. But um, first, uh, let's kind of dig into the history and, uh, you know, kind of where you are and, um, you know, how you got to where you are now. Um, you know, how, what brought you to libertarianism and the Libertarian Party, first off? Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. It's a, definitely a pleasure. And uh, yeah, the DTOP is pretty fun right now. I'm, I'm enjoying it. We're getting some cool things going. But uh, yeah, um, I guess I, I grew up pretty uh, religious, very much, uh, you know, a fundamental Christian conservative, I think, uh, held on to that mostly through college. Um, I think I regrettably voted for John McCain uh, in 2008 my, when I was a sophomore in college. I didn't know any better. I was uh, I was uh, indoctrinated and in, in learning my ways. Uh, but uh, I, I spent some time overseas after college. I was uh, did some mission work in Southeast Asia, uh, Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia specifically, and just being in different cultures. I think just it shook me a little bit. Um, you know, I, I don't think I held on to everything in that conservative world all the time leading up to that. But just seeing uh, just seeing these different cultures, these different people and, and everybody kind of, you know, despite their differences. I mean, Malaysia is a very, very racist society, uh, but they but they get they get along better than we do in the United States. And, mm-hmm. and we tried for a long time to kind of pretend not to be racist. So, um yeah, it shook me. I would say it shook me of that, you know, sort of red-blooded conservative patriotism. Uh, and this was probably back in like 2012. And from then on, I had no idea where I fit in. I still couldn't really stand the left, couldn't couldn't ever see myself vote Democrat. I think in 2016, I ended up voting uh, Gary Johnson as a, as a throwaway vote. Uh, didn't really know much about him or the Libertarian Party. The only Libertarians I knew were pretty lame. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, eventually, uh, you know, got moved up here to Philly in 2016. I uh, love Philadelphia. I think it's a, you know, great city. Uh, but all this COVID stuff, uh, the lock from the lockdowns, the vaccine mandates, everything going on just made me think I, I've got to find something. There's got to be somebody here in Philly or somebody somewhere that is, is sane. Uh, so I found, ended up finding uh, on a rabbit hole, like Dave Smith, uh, I think it start, actually it started Tim Pool, uh, Tim Pool, Michael Malice, Dave Smith, and then uh, Maj, and yeah, and eventually I decided to get involved here in PA after uh, some of the convention stuff went down last year. Mm-hmm. So were you at the uh, 2021 convention? No, I was not. I heard about it through Dave Smith. And okay, I was going on there. Yep. 
Yeah, yeah, you uh, were probably blessed to not be a part. <laughs> that was that was my first convention, and um, you know, I, I've I don't want to put the party down, but uh, for being such a small pond of fish, it amazed me how tight people hold on to that and don't just say, "Wow, we have so many people coming here that are interested in the Libertarian Party." Why shouldn't we welcome these people with open arms? And, you know, I can understand their skepticism, but at the same time, let's breach that. Let's have that both ways. Like, hey, we're skeptical of these new people coming in, but let's be wary and let's be honest and let's talk to these people and see, you know, where do we have common ground? Because I guarantee you, if people just had the conversations, which I've done on this podcast with people who I thought might have been enemies or adversaries at first, you just talk to these people and it's like, we agree on just about everything, but, you know, maybe some of the rhetoric, maybe some of the messaging and maybe how far we go in some of these principles, um, we may get off at different exits and maybe some people see um, different paths to liberty. Um, has that been kind of your experience as well? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I, I just started as a as the board rep here in Philly about a month ago and I got to attend my first board meeting and it was like, this is insane. The first one I got on, it was a, it was a Saturday night. Uh, my dad was driving into town for the uh, for the tool concert uh, back in February, and I've I get on it. Uh, what does it start at five o'clock and it ended it up until you know one thirty. And it was oh, just that completely, one. completely, utterly crazy. Uh, it's just it's like everybody just going after each other. It was just a free for all for so long, and yeah, there's there's just something uh, I don't know. There's there's just something weird about it. And I think, you know, the Mises caucus, I think, drew me in mostly through Dave, through the messaging. Uh, I, you know, reached out to them probably last August and got to know some people here in Philly. And it's like, these are these are cool people. These aren't the uh, the, the stuffy libertarians that I remember from college. And yeah. these are like normal city people. They want to they want to get down, hang out, have a good time. And they believe in liberty. They believe in freedom. And it's like, I want to, I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of these people. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's kind of been my experience there. I, I think one of the fundamental differences I, I notice, and it's, it's starting to grate on me a little bit is I keep hearing the word duopoly. Um, I just keep hearing, we got to fight the duopoly. We got to fight the duopoly. And what to me, when I'm, I'm coming in as an outsider, I'm looking that at that. I'm saying, okay, so you're going to fight the duopoly. You want, so do you want a piece of their pie? You know, you've got a you know a little two percent sliver of their pie. What do you want? Five, ten, twenty, thirty. But regardless, uh, the duopoly that, that that pie it's it's still moldy. It's still rotten. It's still disgusting. Like, why do you want a piece of that pie? Yeah. And the truth of the matter is, you know, coming in as an outsider and, and having some influence now from people like Dave Smith and, and Michael Malice and, and the, some of that philosophy. You know, really, it's not a duopoly. It's 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 a monopoly. You know, the Republicans and the Democrats are are a uniparty. I mean, we just heard Joe Biden give a State of the Union where he basically re half of his speech was Trump's campaign message. You know, right. lock down the borders and whatever he whatever he was talking about. Um, you know, the it's a monopoly, and the monopoly is the state. Um, right. And so really our enemy is not the Democrats or Republicans. It's, it's the state and the state is controlled by the Democrats and Republicans. And the way I see it is, you know, culture, they say culture is downstream from politics. And if, if we're going to get on that stream and, it, or sorry, 
politics is downstream from culture. If we're going to get on that stream from, from culture to politics and we, we go into this politics, we're going to, if we try to fight on, you know, the state's playground, well, it's, it's, it's a fertile playground. They got this stream running right into it that all the, all the culture is just feeding right into the, into the state. We're not going to win. Like, we're not going to win trying to scrounge for votes or scrounge for influence. Um, not that I'm saying we shouldn't do that. That's definitely part of it. But in order to beat that state and beat that duopoly and beat the beat, you know, you know, actually get a foothold, you have to build a dam in that stream and send it another direction. Like, mm -hmm. get your own pie, get your own city, build it, uh, and and hopefully people will, will come join you. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And that, uh, you know, a, a lot of people kind of throw shit at uh, that politics is downstream from culture, but there's definitely something relevant to it because um, the politicians obviously want to get votes, which requires having influence over the people and being in their favor. So you need to be, you know, culturally aware. And I'm starting to see this with Donald Trump, because, you know, he's the main guy in the Republican mm -hmm. Party now, right? Or at least the most favorite amongst Republicans. Um, it seems like he's not quite on top of the culture anymore because he's pumping the biggest issue of our time, the vaccine. Now, <laughs> it, well, I shouldn't say the vaccine, the vaccine yeah. mandates, right? He'll pay lip service to being against the mandates. But there's something to somebody sitting here finger wagging at you telling you don't, you know, put down the vaccine or be skeptical because it's the greatest thing in the world. I'm against yeah. the mandates, but this is the greatest thing in the world, so you should go get it, but I'm against the mandates. There, there's something to that, and I think even some of his base is kind of waking up to this. Um, and some people will poo-poo me because I'm not constantly shitting on Democrats, but that's like shooting fish <laughs> in a barrel. I mean, we all know they're bad. I'm not going to say anything to change your mind. I'm not saying anything that you don't already know when I tell you that the Democrats are absolutely terrible. Mm -hmm. There's no argument there. Clearly they're pushing for all this stuff just as much. But if we're supposed to buy onto this, you know, GOP route or the paleo route, which I, I think there's validity to do that maybe in certain areas, um, then we need a new guy. <laughs> it cannot yeah. be Donald Trump at this point, just because <laughs> when you're getting booed at your rally for championing the vaccines while people are getting fired for their, you know, from their jobs for not taking it, then <laughs> dude, you're way out left field. So, yep. and this is part of where the Libertarian Party failed as well, is that they didn't come out with a strong, you know, hold and a strong grip and fight against this. You need to come out right as soon as this comes out, like, hey, no. No, we don't, we don't consent to this. You know, this needs to be a personal medical choice and there should be no showing your papers at the freaking door to get into Giant Eagle so you can get, you know, you can go, go, go get your overpriced groceries. Sorry. But yep. yeah, it, it's, it's absolute <laughs> ridiculousness. And there's not really that many people standing up and saying, no, this is ridiculous. I see people saying, oh, well, we've had vaccine mandates for, you know, since George Washington. It, it, but they didn't have to go to the store and prove that they were vaccinated just so they get basic human needs. Right, right. Yeah, and I, I think what's gone on with the culture, and I, I don't know if it's, it's social media, I don't know if it's always been this way, but what's gone on with the culture is it's suddenly the, the cool thing is to comply. The cool thing is to virtue signal online. I don't know if it starts with that or something else, but it's, it's gotten all the way to the point where here in Philly, you know, they just lifted the mask mandates in the city uh, 
this past week, but they're still masking kids in schools for another week, which is just, that, that was always one of the most ridiculous things. And, and Philly in particular decided to implement an N95 mandate on these kids. And that's, that's like, what in the world? Like these kids can't, can't do that. Like, how are you going to get an N95 properly fit in on a kid? How are you going to keep it on them? I've heard some stories from some moms about, you know, the, the, the masks cutting the kids' faces, like just not, not cool stuff. But what I'm hearing is going on is, is people want to push back. Like parents want to push back and say, no, you're not doing this. In fact, I was at a school district meeting a couple of weeks back and this mom got up there and said, if you don't, and this wasn't in the city, but she said, if you don't lift the mask mandate tonight, I'm sending my kid to school tomorrow without a mask. And you're going to do the right thing. Challenged them flat out. Sent the kid, kid sat, I guess the kid sat in a principal's office for an hour. And they sent him back to class without a mask on. And then other moms started doing it. Like that, that's always the, that, that was always the answer. You know, yeah. trying to, trying to sue your way or protest your way and get and try to reason with these people who don't want to be reasoned with is never, never going to work. But the issue here, I know in Philly and, and even in schools in general, you know, there's, there's a social hierarchy, there's, there's pressure and they're, they basically, I don't know if I want to use the word indoctrinated, but it, it, it kind of fits. They've like indoctrinated these kids that, that, wearing masks makes you the good student make wearing the mask makes you the good kid and so these kids are scared to do it we have moms in philly that want to send their kids to school unmasked but they don't because their kids too afraid of getting bullied and that's just terrible that's that's horrible well it, it speaks to kind of how totalitarian regimes kind of come to be um if anybody has ever read some of the history of some of this stuff um you know any totalitarian regimes over the course of history um one book that i talk about a lot is ordinary men um, jordan peterson had talked about that book a lot so i decided i'd finally get it and read it and it's about how a uh, you know group of literally ordinary men in a police battalion back in nazi germany had came to become literal nazis that were taking naked pregnant women in the fields and shooting them in the back of the head and it wasn't by a top-down hierarchy right mm -hmm. these people were told consistently you can leave you don't have to do this you can go at any time you're free there's no punishment you can do as you please and what did you know what happened it was, you know, one person would step away and then maybe another person, but then the rest of the guys would say, hey, I'm not going to leave my friends to do the dirty work. And they would just push them a little bit past where they were comfortable, right? So mm -hmm. to apply this kind of masks, right? You know, kids come in wearing their cloth masks, right? And they're told that, hey, you need a better mask. So you start wearing the surgical mask, let's say. And then it just gets pushed a little bit further. And then the kids start wearing it underneath their nose. And then all the kids are taught that you need to be, a, you know, the grown up in the room. Yep. And make them wear their mask right so it's never a top-down thing it's always from the bottom up because you need all the people below you to enforce this and it's the same thing in camps in communist countries right they the you know the different prisoners told on each other the prisoners ran yep. the camp so that's how these things stay in order but when you start hearing about kids and moms going to the schools and say look we're not doing this anymore then it takes one and then it takes a second guy you know, and then the third, and then when you have enough people to finally stand up and just say, we're not tolerating this anymore, then finally it can end. But, you know, you need those first few dominoes. Yeah. And I think we're starting to see some cracks. I mean, the city, 
the city apparently was trying to keep their mandates going for a lot longer than they did. But there's there's definitely been some political pressure. You have midterms coming up and that sort of thing. So you've definitely seen some cracks. And part of me wonders if, you know, the powers that be just realize they overplayed their hand a little bit here. They're, they're pushing it a little bit too hard. There are people who are waking up who other otherwise would not have. I mean, I've, you know, I was with co-workers the other day that, you know, just pretty normal people. And, and we were at a, at a restaurant that didn't make you wear a mask to get up and use the bathroom. And they were just so thrilled. They're like, oh my gosh, this is normal. Like the servers aren't wearing masks. This is amazing. It, it just like something is starting to crack a little bit and it, it's, it's good to see the challenge now is now that they're getting rid of the mandates. Well, how do you, how do you keep that up? How do you, <laughs> how do you keep showing people that, Hey, th this narrative's still going on. You know, it's not COVID right now. It's, it's Ukraine. It's, it'll be something else next week. It'll right. be something else in six months. Um, but that's, I think that's where culture comes into play is you have to you have to build a culture of, of freedom and liberty from the ground up and that's that's kind of been my goal with uh my organization don't tread on philly is we we want to we want to we want to turn you know philadelphia back into the city that is, is a beacon for freedom you know it was the it was the birthplace of liberty. It was the birthplace of independence. The Declaration of Independence was written and signed here. Um, we want to see Philly be that city again, uh, you know, in, in the state of Pennsylvania, in the USA, and in, in the world, really. We want to, you know, we want it to be a beacon of freedom. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I totally think that should happen. Um, and it totally is from the bottom up. It, it's, I remember first going into restaurants last year. No, holy shit, two years ago now. <laughs> um, when they first lifted mask mandates around here, because I'm in, um, I'm a little bit mm -hmm. north of Pittsburgh, yep. and just thinking, wow, this is like normal. So I played a band called A Common Crown as well, and um, they first announced the lockdowns, and then after about a month or so, they opened everything back up, and then you know sp uh, the spring and summertime came, and they locked everything back down. And I remember going to a venue after like the harsher lockdowns of the summer. Um, we went and played at uh, this club that was open illegally, essentially. And mm -hmm. I remember walking in with a mask on and I get in and there's nobody with a mask. And, and it, <laughs> it, it's so weird because you're so, you know, and yeah. I hate saying this, but I was used to wearing it. So I'm yeah. looking around, I'm like, holy shit, I can take this fucking thing off. But like, it's just... I know people say it all the time, but look, think back to 2019 and then think about walking into everywhere you go wearing a mask. And then now two years later, you're told that this literally essentially did nothing. Everything they did yep. was for absolute nothing. And <laughs> they'll never come out and say that, but this is something that everybody needs to know. It needs to be front and center is that everything yeah. they did, the life that they took from your children the dollars and purchasing power that they stole from your grandchildren. All this was done for nothing. It did not have to be this way. Yep. And the people who did this and the people who were complicit in this, the people who didn't even directly do it, anybody who allowed this at a government level needs to be brought to justice. And whatever that justice looks like, I'm not going to say, yeah. but <laughs> these people need to be voted out. And honestly, I'd, if they were ridiculed publicly for the rest of their lives, I would feel no remorse. You deserve it. You cost children years and years of yeah. suffering.
you deserve, you know, to be repaid. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, it, it didn't have to be this way. And that's kind of the sad thing. And in some ways, all we had to do was stand up and say no, but we were, we were too afraid. Um, people here can't stand our mayor, Jim Kenny. And yeah, the guy shouldn't be in office. I mean, what he's done, what he and the health department have done here to the people of Philadelphia has been disgusting. You know, I, I was driving through North Philadelphia today. I, I don't get through there. I don't go through there very often. It's, you know, some of the areas there are a really rough part of town and, you know, everything's just so run down. It was so depressed. There's so much poverty. And I'm like, we, we spent, we spent all the last two years bitching and complaining about masks, you know, people bickering and fighting over whether or not they're vaccinated and whether or not there's going to be super spreader events. And yet I'm, I'm driving through these neighborhoods and these people are walking out of houses that are falling apart. They're, you know, the, fentanyl is a huge issue in here in philly we just had the most murders we've ever had in a year like <laughs> like there, there's just we're we're trying to keep ourselves safe from a disease that had you know a 99 point something percent survival rate while everything else is just kind of going to hell in this city and yeah uh jim kenny deserves a lot of blame you know i i, I tend to be somebody who wants to offer grace it's easy for the, you know, the dark sides of my humanity to be like, yeah, let's send this guy to Gitmo. Let's, let's see what happens to him there. Um, I, I think I'd settle with him just never being allowed anywhere near a position of authority again. And maybe dump, dumping some, some cheese whiz on him and, you know, feathering him that way instead of the traditional tar and feather. But other yeah. than that, um, yeah, I wish I... I don't want to see the guy in office and I, I don't want to see, I don't want to see the, the systems and the structures that keep, whether it's Jim Kenny or Tom Wolf or, you know, Biden or Trump or Obama or Bush or any of them. I, I don't want to see those things last. Like I want to see something new. Um, but yeah, how do you, how do you do that other than, you know, as we keep mentioning, you know, going after culture and, and, and changing minds and helping people see that this is this is a joke they're getting played right and that was kind of the goal with this podcast and i see lots of other libertarians kind of doing the same thing um we have to you know show that we're not just you know losers screeching on twitter or screeching on facebook <laughs> about the state um i do that plenty to my fiance downstairs yep. and that was part of the reason why i started this but um you know, we have to be leaders of our community. We have to be people who are going to lead people to these, you know, to, to what we're proposing needs to be done. We have to stand up and tell people that, like, look, you were screwed by these people and we're here to give you a solution. We're leaders in our community and we're going to do our best to forge a path forward that looks like, you know, the best, most prosperous libertarian society. And how can we do that if we're just tweeting away, if we're just arguing on Twitter, if we're just screeching on Facebook? We need to get out there and we need to do things. We need to talk to people. We need to become, you know, better fathers, better brothers, better sisters, better mothers, better, um, you know, better workers, better people. Um, there's no area where we shouldn't improve in our own personal lives so we can, you know, do better everywhere else. Yeah. So um, that kind of tags well on to don't tread on Philly. So what was kind of the genesis of this and how did it start? And obviously we know what it's about, but, um, you know, just kind of what are all the details and how's it been going? 
Yeah, uh, I think it's a pretty cool story. So I was asked to be a county level organizer for the Mises Caucus back in, I think, November. And I was like, okay, let me just see what, what I can do and get involved. I, you know, was toying with the ideas of, you know, cultural liberty and growing things that way. Actually, last summer I built, uh, and I'm, I'm sitting in a speakeasy in my basement. I don't sell anything down here, so it's not technically illegal. But uh, I built built a bar down here, and it, it was a great it's a great project. And so when I got involved with the Mises Caucus, I, I started inviting people over to say, hey, "You guys should come, come hang out." And I think me just you know going out and inviting people over and saying, "Hey, you know, there, there might be might come a point where we can't get into bars anymore. Yeah, come hang out down here." Um, I think just being out outspoken like that and, and trying to be a little bit outgoing just got me that, you know, position. And so I, I don't know what, what was going on. They were trying to ramp up the program or something. And, and I ended up talking to some people in the caucus and I, and I said, you know, what if I, what if I just started a Philly, you know, Mises caucus, Twitter account, you know, you can get on Twitter with a Mises caucus account and you can, uh, <laughs> you can say a lot more than you can from a standard LP account. And yeah. I was like, okay, let me do that. Let me start doing some, you know, respectful shit posting on Twitter. And uh, I said, I need to come up with something for, for Philly. I want this to be unique. I don't want this to just be a, you know, Mises Caucus Philly. Like it's something, something that makes the Mises Caucus chapter of Philly unique. And I had recently just been on this, you know, obsession with the Gadsden flag. And I said, what if I just said, don't tread on Philly? Like, what if I just made this tagline that said, don't tread on Philly? So I did that, started up the Twitter account, and then a week later, the mandates came down. And I mean, I was livid. I, I was just, I was pissed. I was, I was kind of pissed off from day one with the pandemic. I, I was dealing with mental health issues, and I was actually trying, I was starting to recover from mental health issues. And they were telling me I had to be in my house by myself. So anything since then has been like... Come on. No, no, you can't. This is stupid. You can't do this. So I remember getting on to one of the uh, Mises caucus signal chats and, and, you know, blasting out about how pissed off I was. And, and Mark Bazzacco got on there and he said, Hey, this is great. I'm glad you're pissed off. Let's talk. <laughs> and uh, so we, so we scheduled a meeting for, I think two days later. And uh, it was just me, Bazzacco and Joy Weir. And we just started talking and said, what are we going to do? Um, and we said, well, let's let's protest. Let's protest at the New Year's Day parade. Uh, you know, what should we call it? We said, well, I've got this tagline, don't shred on Philly. And we said, okay, let's let's go see if the URL URL is available. Sure enough, it's available. Buy it. And yeah, from there we just started. Uh, yeah, we tried to plan a protest. I mean, I think it went pretty well. We uh, the the parade here on New Year's Day is very much a working class, like South Philly type parade. It's called the Mummers Parade. They get all dressed up in crazy costumes and, and strut all drunk as hell down Broad Street in Center City. And uh, a lot of them, you know, <clears throat> we had these signs made up saying, you know, don't tread on Philly or mandates are racist or, you know, COVID-1984. And you had all these, uh, you know, South Philly working class dudes just running up to us, like ripping the signs out of our hands and and uh wanting wanting them to to walk down the street with them because they were pissed off about things too and so that's kind of how it all started it just started as this this wanting to protest wanting to be defiant just kind of being pissed off 
But then as time went on, we started meeting people. We had a, we had a meeting in a pub one night. Uh, it was myself, Michael Heiss, Mark Bazzacco, uh, Maj Ture was there, and then a bunch of people from the city. And I remember sitting there thinking in the pub, you know, this is, this is where the American Revolution happened. It was here in these pubs where they planned these things. They, they, they planned this out. And I remember thinking that in the exact same moment Maj was tweeting it. And I looked down at my phone. I see Maj had tweeted that exact same thing. I'm like, damn, that's cool. He's getting that feeling too. Like we, we must be doing something. But basically what I was finding is, is that that defiant protest, that defiant anger that I had was, was moving from defiance and anger to like, hope and, and, and just action. I started finding there are so many people in this city that weren't happy. Uh, we were talking to people in working class bars. We were doing outreach on the streets. You know, people would be like, yeah, I'm, I'm double vaxxed. I'm triple vaxxed. And you can't be doing this. Like, I, I don't, you can't be doing this. Or I know somebody who can't get the vax and can't get an exemption. Um, like, this is terrible. And you know, I remember sitting at a bar one day with like, you know, 20, 20 construction workers or something. And they were just all like, yeah, we're not faxed. Uh, I don't know where they're getting this from. Like half the city is vaccinated because nobody I know is vaccinated. And I'm sure as hell not showing my papers. So it just changed to this. Like it went from this Mises caucus protest to suddenly, hey, we've got a chance here to tap into this chip on the shoulder that Philly has. And it's gone full circle from protesting mandates, fighting mandates, to now it's back to this, I wanna make freedom cool again. I wanna make it cooler to be free than to live on your knees. And that's what, that's what you know, Doe Trotted Philly's become now, whereas it's this you know, nonpartisan, you know, not officially uh, affiliated with the Mises Caucus, although I'm a member of myself and there's several other Mises Caucus members that are part of it. But yeah, we're trying to, you know, one of the biggest things with the Mises Caucus is issue, uh, you know, issue coalitions. And that's essentially what we're trying to do, being like a, a social issue coalition uh, hub or just, you know, just a node in a network to get, get people connected here in Philly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that is an awesome story. And it's, I can't imagine the feeling of literally being where the Declaration of Independence was signed and kind of putting together something in protest to a government that has become tyrannical. I mean, it's, it's surreal how, you know, how far we've come in 200, you know, about 250 years, 200, yeah, 250 yeah. years. It's, it's absolutely insane to think that we would have to fight for these freedoms again. And now they're ready to send people overseas for wars while they're still debating, you know, this kind of vaccine mandate. Um, <laughs> do you kind of see a light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to the mandates? I mean, we're seeing some of them rolled back, but I just, it's so hard to say if they're going to really let their finger off the trigger on this. I, what, what's your thoughts on it? I think I would say they're reloading. Um, I think they're probably letting their finger off the trigger, but they're, they're reloading maybe for something else. I mean, who knows if it's in the fall, um, you know, if, if some cases start coming back in the fall or, you know, we get a particularly bad flu season and it's like, Oh, everybody's got to get their flu shot or everybody's got to get, uh, you know, wear a mask for the flu. Um, yeah. I, I, like, as I said earlier, I think, 
I think they overplayed their hand a little bit and I think they know it and they've got to, before they completely lose the culture and completely lose the trust of people, they've got to pull back for a little bit. And that, that seems to be what's going on. Like there's just, there's just nothing to justify these mandates right now. Most places are, are, are waking up to that. You could see it in center city, Philadelphia for the month, the mandates were going on. There was nobody there. There's just nobody in these restaurants. I'm walking down at like six o'clock prime time for dinner. And you see 10 servers standing around serving two people. Um, it was just terrible. But then you go to the bars that weren't, you know, uh, complying and they're packed. And then, you know, now I go back into center city again, uh, with the mandates gone and everything's packed again. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I really do think they, they know they overplayed their hand and something else will come down. Uh, it's, it's always something, um, you know, whether it was nine 11 and the Patriot act, uh, you know, now COVID, you hear about governments continuing to kind of pass the, 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 the bones and the structures of future uh, vaccine passports. Yeah, it's, it's something's coming, whether it's whether it's another virus, another strain of COVID, another virus, uh, you know, global warming and, and your, your carbon footprint, you know, just that that ba that whole social credit score system. Um, that I, you know, really learned about mostly from Dave Smith. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's kind of what it seems to be is that um, they do want the social credit score. And I've done a lot of research into this kind of stuff personally. Um, I actually record a whole podcast that I haven't released yet on green energy inefficiency. And it's almost amazing to me, some mechanic as well, um, but I dug into the topics of this green energy, right? So when we talk yep. about wind, solar, um, those kind of green energies or nickel metal hydride batteries, which are the primary batteries in hybrid vehicles, all of these technologies, right? Um, the wind and solar is at very, very best. If you manage to have these enormous cells that can store energies for up to 12 hours, they're about 97% effective at very, very best. Our energy right now, um, which mostly comes from like coal and fossil fuels, is like 99.97% effective. Yep. So, um, and you would have to pull out all the stops to make it 97% effective. At worst, I think they said it's around like 83% <laughs> effective. So yeah. it's incredibly ineffective and you would have to do so much labor and the solar panels actually can only absorb about 20% of what, or about 20 to 30% of all the energy they take in, they can actually use. Um, yep. Now, when you also hear about cow farts and cow burps, um, <laughs> if you have grass-fed, grass-finished meat, which all meat should be, yep. um, that's actually better for the environment. It's actually carbon net yeah. negative. Yeah. So, and they're pushing for a lot of vegan stuff. Um, and not that I have a problem with the vegan lifestyle. The episode I'm going to put out with Adam Kokesh, we went back and forth about veganism and me and him are in agreement on basically, you know, whatever gets you to your healthiest, you know, okay, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, and then nickel metal hydride batteries to kind of tie this all off. Um, those are actually severely worse for the environment than all the other type of uh, batteries that have been put out. Um, cadmium lead, um, lithium ion, which are a uh, big one. Those are mostly the ones that are like in phones and rechargeable batteries. Those ones are way, 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 way better for the environment versus the nickel metal hydride, which are in, you know, your Prius, your volts, all this stuff. So what it seems like they're kind of building towards if you didn't get your latest vaccine, 
then you can't go to the store and get your meat. Um, maybe you had too much red meat this month, so you have to deal with the vegan meat. You have to go get bread instead. Um, they want to track down your every transaction, and they want yep. to watch what you do, watch what you watch, and watch what you say. And if you don't say the right things, if you don't eat the right things, if you don't drive the right kind of vehicle, then now we can start pulling the strings of what you can and can't do. You have basically an apartheid system where there's certain people who aren't as equal as others for yep. <laughs> making different decisions. And, you know, to think that 250 years ago, we would have overthrew the government for a 2% T tax to now we may arbitrarily decide on some arbitrary rules, whether or not you get to consume certain food or drive a certain vehicle um, due to a, you know, arbitrary score. It, it's, yeah. it, it's astounding. Our, our founding fathers would have, you, you, there would be torches <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And it's, yeah, I mean, I don't know if everything will actually get there. I mean, I, I think there's definitely hope. I think there's a lot of people waking up and I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, uh, you know, white pilled, so to speak on all of this, you know, I don't think we have to lose. And I don't think it has to go. I mean, I think, um, you know, tyranny always falls. Nobody expected the Soviet union to fall, but then they had Chernobyl and then the church started getting back in there and people started waking up and it, it fell, uh, 30 years ago, this past Christmas the thing with the Soviet union is they had, you know, they had control of the media. They had, they had it on lockdown. You know, nobody knew what was going on there except for the higher upper echelons. And you can say, well, we have censorship here. Yeah, we do. You know, YouTube will take stuff down and, and Facebook will take stuff down and that sort of thing. But the media here is playing whack-a-mole. You know, there's something popping up and they got to go beat it down. And then there's something up else and they got to go do that. And they, they don't have a lid on the information. They don't have a lid on the truth. It's like with COVID and the, and the, the data modeling. I'm a, I'm a data analyst by trade. I've always been sort of climate skeptical. I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of being a good steward of this earth. I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of doing things that are sustainable and not polluting it and taking care of the, researches, the resources that you have. But the, statistic, the statistical models that they're using to say, hey, the, worth, the earth's going to go to hell in five years, like, no, that's not, that's not how it works. And that's not how modeling works. And the numbers that you're putting in and the, the parameters and all this stuff. I mean, uh, uh, Jordan Peterson just explained it brilliantly on, on Rogan a few weeks back. And it's like, yeah, Peterson's spot on. He tore this down. And the thing is, they did the same exact thing with COVID from the get-go. It was, oh, we're going to have a million dead in three months or, you know, something ridiculous. And I'm sitting there as my normal, you know, skeptical, analytical self. I'm like, These numbers don't add up. You know, it, it, can't, it can't be both as contagious and as deadly as they're saying it is. If it was, there'd be people dropping in the streets, but it, it, it's, it's just not. Um, and so, yeah, they're doing the same thing with COVID that you see happening with the climate. And even over the last two years, uh, the only more common, uh, I'd say, advertisement that I've seen than, say, go get your shot is, oh, if we don't change the climate, everybody's going to die. You know, I, I, there's the only ads that I basically see watching YouTube videos is climate COVID shot. Wow. So yeah, it's, it's the same thing. They're all sponsored by, uh, well, all the uh, COVID ones are always sponsored by a uh, Pfizer and BioNTech. 
that's that's always funny i always hear the radio ads um i heard one today i want to say it was on spotify or pandora because we used to do that at my work and they were um playing the song and then the song finishes up and then it's an ad and they say well um you know we all have our specific types of music you may like rock you like metal you may like r&b but you all should get your COVID shot like literally right at the end of so like, what the <laughs> fuck does this have to do with anything and, 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 yeah never did we sit here and preach to people about how they should have the flu shot and i'm i i really don't care if people get vaccinated i've looked into the data enough to understand that in my opinion in my analyzing of the data that for people under the age of 30 who aren't obese who are healthy it's probably more detrimental to your health than yeah. getting covid yeah. um I cited the study in one of the podcasts I did, but I, you know, I got to sometimes tiptoe around it because I know some people get pulled for this, but in my non-doctor's opinion, if you're <laughs> a younger person, you're probably better off just getting it, get over it. Um, my yeah. fiance and I are both very healthy and we both had it. It was, it, this was last March, almost a year ago. Now there's like nothing. We got yep. over it quick. Now yep. I've known people personally who had a hell of a time with it. My mom got over it and she's 52 she's not in perfect health and she had cancer three times it was hell on her but yeah. she got over it thank god but you know it's not to say that we shouldn't you know care about her or shouldn't look at treatments right but to just constantly push this one you know one size fits all thing um no no it doesn't work that way why don't we have yeah. minds on every single avenue saying hey why don't we try this why don't we try this why don't we try this why don't we try a vaccine you know we can have people who try the vaccine we can have people who try different treatments different therapies and whatever works we'll go with that but instead yep. we just get this just one thing there's nothing else yeah yeah i mean that's that was the whole thing from the get-go it, it, it and it's easy to forget the lockdowns and how we went through the same thing. Every, every step of this has been, there's only one way out at first. It's like, we're going to flatten it by staying home. Well, staying home didn't work. So, Oh, we got to wear masks. Well, wearing masks didn't work. So now we got to get the vaccine. Now the vaccine's not didn't stop Omicron. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, I had it, I had it twice. I had, I had the original strain early on and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a pleasant couple of days. That's for sure. It felt like I had some 10 pound weights on my chest. I was, you know, thankfully I was, you know, working to get healthier and I was in the gym pretty constantly those days. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, you know, I, I was like, right. I didn't know it was COVID at the time. And so I got right back in the gym and was working out and, and was over it. And then I had it again, you know, in January and it was just like a week of just a shitty cold <laughs> like and that was all it was and but the issue was all along it's just been there's one answer there's one answer and like you said no there's not it depends on who you are um you know I'm not the type of person that typically gets very sick I, I don't get sick all that often I might get a you know a small cold once in a while I don't remember you know it's probably been 15 years since the last time I had the flu um you know, I'm, I'm not in, you know, base after, after COVID and, and some personal life things, I, I haven't been in the best, best of health, um, at least in terms of taking care of myself, but I've never been like, I've just never had issues and I don't have huge family issues. Like, I mean, most of my, a lot of my family's lived quite a while, um, 
and even lived with major health issues quite a while. So I wasn't like that concerned about it, but it did kind of wake me up. It said, Hey, you know, the biggest thing here is cardiovascular health. So, I mean, you know, I used to take care of myself a lot better when I was younger, had a better metabolism. I was always, you know, working out, really cared about it. Then, you know, went through some personal shit with a a divorce and some other things and, and really fell off the wagon there. And then COVID was like, yeah, COVID was kind of hell where that was concerned. But I was like, I, I got to do something because even if I'm not that worried about this, like, yeah, it's, it's time to, it's, I'm 33. It's time to, you know, it's time to start, start taking some things seriously. So like you were talking about, you know, started looking into, you know, naturally raised meat and that sort of thing. And, you know, trying to just break these nasty COVID habits and, and that's, and that's like, that's the collateral they don't talk about. Mm-hmm. They don't talk about the, the addictions to, well, they'll talk about the addictions to drugs, but like, what about the addictions to food? I mean, so many of us, and even myself, I'm, I tend to be a comfort eater. Like how many of us have gotten addicted to whether it be sugar or carbs or anything just over this past, these past two years, just from all the stress, you know, just from all the, the, the cortisol shots continually hitting your brain um, just from being stressed out and you're feeding, you're feeding that and trying to get out of it by, you know, running to these, you know, the, the restaurants or whatever you can get delivered from Amazon or just, just all of our, you know, our, our shitty food practices here in the U S and it's, it's gonna, we talk about having an obesity epidemic. Well, it's going to be 10 times worse in a couple of years because of all of this. And, and nobody ever talks about that. Nobody wants to talk about it. Right. Well, there's a lot of ugly collateral damage over these last two years that literally nobody's acknowledging. And once again, it was all for nothing. It did not have to be this way at all. And there's going to be no ramifications for this. You know, neither this president nor the last president will ever pay a price for locking people in their homes. Some of these governors will. And even the ones who, you know, may have lightened up, you know, there's still responsibility on some of their hands because they still lock people down. There's still some other things that were done. Now, once again, credit where credit's due, but at the same time, you know, people need to freaking pay. Yep. You know, how do you account for all this? How do you account for, once again, the loss of life, the loss of, you know, um, potential life lived, you know, people on vacation scheduled, kids going to sports and, um, you know, think about a little kid going to uh, play football or something like that, right? Maybe that kid won't ever find out if he's going to make it to the NFL. Could you imagine? Maybe that was that kid's dream. He'll never know because some authoritarian had told him, you're not allowed to leave your house because the air is dangerous and you may kill your grandmother. You, yep. I don't think that grandmother ever gave a shit. I think that grandmother would rather see their grandchild celebrate their lives. Yeah. And, you know, if they get a cold and get sick, well, then I think most grandparents normally realize, like, hey, we got to enjoy our lives. So now it's time for us to see, you know, our future generations enjoy their lives. And yep. never in history did we ever decide that we're going to sacrifice the young for the old. It was always no. the other way around. Um, one thing that always kind of stood with me because, and I'm a huge Sammy Hagar fan, but um, I want to say it was summer of 2020. He said, if I get this and I die, so be it. He said, I'm willing to play another concert. And, you know, if this is it, and this is it. 
And it, it always kind of stuck with me because I'm like, man, you got to think that guy lived the life. I mean, the dude sang for Van Halen mm-hmm. of yeah. all people. He had plenty of number one hits. Everybody knows I can't drive 55. And that dude's willing to say, you know what? I did my time. If this is it, this is it. So there's something really beautiful about that to me, at least. And I think a lot of people had that perspective, but the point I'm getting at here is that that choice was taken away from them and nobody should have to make, nobody should make that choice for anybody else. That should be upon the individual to decide whether or not, Hey, I'm going to isolate myself or, you know, Hey, once again, if this is the end of the world, then I want to enjoy this my way and I want to see my children be happy. Yeah, there's there's more to life than just surviving and staying alive. Absolutely. And I think I think the society as a whole is losing that a little bit. You know, the, the, that quote there about getting COVID and that this is it, it's it. You know, it reminds me of C.S. Lewis. He had, he had written about the atomic age and he, you know, paraphrasing here, he just said, if the bomb comes, if it drops, you know, don't let it drop, you know, me huddled under a desk and, and hiding and afraid and not living, you know, let it drop and let, let my life end while I'm, you know, while I'm laughing, playing, praying, you know, eating, just, you know, let it drop and let my life end while I'm living life. Um, it, it, it's, you know, the saying goes, you know, it's better, it's better to die, to die on your feet than to live on your knees. Like, because living on your knees isn't really living, um, whereas being on your feet is. And so I think I've gotten to that place, you know, in my life, too, where, you know, I've gone through, you know, personal stuff and, and you know, started just losing some things. And I'm just like, at this point, you know, I, I just want to live life. I, I've lost some of the things in my life that, you know, I, I didn't want to lose. And they were the, the, the things in my life that I, I never wanted to lose and would have been things that I would have sacrificed so much for. But now it's like those things are gone. And, and, and not, that I, not that I don't have anything to lose, but like, I'd just rather be free at this point in life. Just rather be free. Just rather live my life. Enjoy enjoy people, uh, enjoy my friends, you know, enjoy, you know, enjoy this, this work with Don't Tread on Philly. It's been, that's been amazing. I mean, I I can't tell you how many people have come up to me recently and, and said, wow, you know, thank you so much. Like in, in tears saying, thank you so much. I I didn't know there were other people in the city that weren't okay with this. Like all of my friends have shunned me and I've been alone and like that's, that's life-giving. And it's so cool to see that. Um, and yeah, it, it's, it's worth standing up. It's worth taking the risk to, to, to live life and be human. Absolutely. Yeah. And I completely agree. There is a lot more to life than just avoiding death at all costs. Um, you know, and, and it is absolutely true. You know, what is life if you have to live it on your knees or if you can't have your integrity in one piece at the end of the day? Um, yeah. there, there's definitely something to be said for that in these last two years. I think a lot more people realize that than perhaps we could even realize. And it seems like uh, Don't Tread on Philly has kind of shown that in a lot of people and it brings a lot of people together in that respect. Yeah. Um, Audrey, anything you got going on cool in the future? Anywhere people could find you? How can people support you? 
Yeah, so don't try it on philly.com is our website. We're doing a lot of thinking and brainstorming about how to continue reaching out to the city. As I said, we're looking to, you know, we're looking to make a cultural change. We're looking to get people together. We'd love to, we'd love to work with some artists, some designers, web designers, whatever. We want to, we want to change the culture. We want to, we want to get some art out in the city that promotes freedom. We want to, you know, be able to educate people and get people connected. So don't tread on philly.com is the best place to reach us. Um, you should be seeing a lot of new stuff coming out here in the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. Um, are you going to be at the LP convention? I will. Yep, cool. I will be there. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm looking forward to meeting you there along with cool. everybody else. I think it's going to be a really good time. Um, by the time this airs, it will yeah. already have passed. So um, yeah. well, I'll, we'll, I'll have... Yep. <laughs> we'll uh, see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I plan on having a show with a uh, couple of the uh, bigger Mises Caucus guys. I have Mark coming on uh, next week, probably nice. sometime after you. So uh Maybe we'll do another show together and maybe uh, shoot the shit on how the convention went down because I'm sure uh, there will yeah. be a lot to reflect on. <laughs> it's going to be entertaining in one way or the other. I mean, I'm going to have a good time. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, I've met a lot of great Mises Caucus people yeah. thus far. I've, you know, everyone on the eastern or eastern half of the state, I've met quite a bit, a bit of them and I love them to death. But people like yourself on the western half, I haven't met yet other than maybe Rob. I think I met him once. Um, so, yeah, I'm just I'm going to we're going to have a good time no matter what. Uh, however it ends it, it's going to be a good time and uh i'm sure we'll enjoy it yeah and you know i think no matter what happens even if it's not a full Mises caucus takeover as paranoid as some people that would make it out to be um we're still there for a good time and yep. i don't think any of us will pick up our bags and leave we're yeah. not like some of the people who are just going to go home look <laughs> we're here for the fight of our lives man we're here for fuck or you know we're here for fucking liberty that's it yep we're here for yep. freedom we're here to change the fucking world and i know it sounds very very you know perhaps naive or you know idealistic but you know what else do we have we got to fight for something and yep. uh once again if things don't go our way we're not packing up our bags and leaving they thought we would after last year but nope we're coming back um bigger and stronger they can do whatever they want to do but you know we're gonna hear and we're going to be there and we're going to fight right beside all the people who hate us because we know that they agree with us on most things, but we're willing to, you know, extend an olive branch to them. And I hope that uh, they would afford us the same fortune. Um, anything else you got to say, or are you good to rock and roll? No, I think that's about it. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, hanging out with you this weekend. And uh, I think it's going to be a really good time. And like I said, we'll probably uh, do it again sometime within a, uh, the next couple months to kind of reflect on everything that happened. <laughs> yeah, sounds good, man. Cool. Looking well, uh, yeah, keep me posted on everything that goes on. Uh, don't tread on Philly. And, uh, you know, obviously I'll put all the uh, links in the description below so everybody can keep up with you and all the great work you guys are doing over there. Cool. Sounds good. Cool. All right, everybody. This is In Liberty and Health. Take care. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.